the reason I love sunrises every day is that, and, and the beach in general, is that every day that I go out there, it's different. It's not the same. The sun comes up, it casts its light differently on the shoreline. The shoreline's different every day. And I think that that, as I said, is a metaphor. If you approach life recognizing that every day is a new adventure, that there's a, a possibility or an opportunity on the horizon, it just helps me. And I think it would help others. Welcome to Your Next Big Project Is You, a podcast based around the theme of time. Time to be able to press pause on life. Time to reevaluate what's important. Time to reminisce about where you've come from, what you've learned, and what you've accomplished. Time to revisit your goals, dreams, and vision. And time to remember the people in your life. That's it, my friends. If you've got time, fasten your seatbelt and listen in as we discuss opportunities for the next five to 25 years of your life. And remember, your next big project is you. Welcome to our podcast. Your next big project is you. And what a special guest I've got today. When you've known somebody for almost three decades and you reconnect, you stay in touch, you, you know, you catch up with each other, you, you go our separate ways, you come back together and and uh, here we are again. And for some reason around the holidays, I, I want to welcome my good friend, Bill Capellan for our podcast today. Bill, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's an honor, Leo. And as you said, uh, as we reflect on, on, on the three decades that we've known each other, it's been a, it's been a wonderful relationship. And uh, I, I'm, I'm honored to be here and particularly well, this time of year. You know, you know, what's interesting as we talk about, it's almost like stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, you know, trying to get some momentum. And when you think of the people who are in your kitchen cabinet, those people close to your heart, even though you're not talking to them every week. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to think we've both been on each other's radar that if we needed some advice or to talk to each other. We've always been there, but I, you know, I've always looked at you, Bill, with your skill sets as someone who lives above, you know, up with the clouds, someone that's 30, 40,000 feet up in the sky. Uh, when people say, what does Bill do? I know you work for some big organizations and I'll let you tell that story quickly, but I, I've always viewed you almost like a futurist, some, some person that's studying and intellectually curious and looking at trends and patterns and the, uh, the effect of how people need to think and act differently and how to change their behaviors and how to bring more value to clientele, uh, you know, people that you're serving, you're privileged and served, blessed to serve. So when I think of you, I think of somebody that's way up there looking down what the heck is going down here and helping people in your last three decades or so to be become better in their crafts to do that. So tell us a little bit about your journey and we can pick up from there, my friend. Uh, thanks. Thank you, Leo. And uh, happy to do that. And thank you for those kind words. Uh, although I do operate above the clouds some days, there's, you know, it's all natural. There's no chemicals involved in me getting <laughs> into that space, but uh, you know, it, it really, it really kind of harkens back to something I, I, discovered, you know, pretty much as a kid, which was, I was fascinated with people and through observation and experience, just, you know, I find that to be the most entertaining thing in the world. I'll, I'll sit in an airport, for example, for, for a couple of hours, if need be waiting for a flight. And I, the ability to observe and watch and look for patterns and so forth, they call it ethnography, you know, technically it's a, it's that skill set that, you know, can be taught. 
Uh, and it really is a combination of a lot of different sciences, but ultimately it comes down to trying to understand what's going on in front of you and begin to piece together what you're seeing and observing and experiencing and project them you know, based on some historical information, anthropological information, and kind of begin to look forward to see what could be. And so that's been the basis of it. Um, as you mentioned, uh, I've been doing this for a while, um, largely in the financial services industry. You know, I've been blessed to have worked for basically two companies uh, over the course of my career. Um, while they've both gone through numerous na name changes, I've had the ability to uh, you know, work in that business, uh, both as a, a financial advisor and as a quote, uh, leader in that business. And it's been a rewarding experience, which is really how you and I ever you know, first got together. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's interesting when you see the changes that have taken place. I, I remember you telling me a story because um, I know you hang out in the Midwest in St. Louis, but also with a, a beautiful getaway home in South Carolina on the ocean. And I always remember, you know, I'm thinking of changes that we've seen in individuals and organizations and the uh, life uh, metaphor, if, if I can call it that, or analogy that you use was getting up every day and and taking a walk out to the ocean and seeing the sunrise and uh, the waves. And it's better that you describe that story because as you said, it changes, it's, it's different every day. What it is, and, and you know, it's a kind of a metaphor for life, at least from where I sit and the way I think about things. The reason I love sunrises every day is that, and, and the beach in general is that every day that I go out there, it's different. It's not the same. The sun comes up, it casts its light differently on the shoreline. The shoreline's different every day. And I think that that, as I said, is a metaphor. If you approach life recognizing that every day is a new adventure, that there's a, a possibility or an opportunity on the horizon, it just helps me, and I think it would help others, to be much more uh, in tune with uh, what they can possibly achieve. And I think that, to me, is really the basis for that. I'll share one quick story um, that I learned from um, a gentleman by the name of Scott Shepard. Scott's a dear friend. He is a, a renowned psychologist uh, and has worked largely in his career helping people overcome the most severe obstacles they could fa face from death of a loved one or a child to addiction mm -hmm. and on and on and on. And so, you know, Scott's simple approach to this was that we as human beings are willing to give up control at every turn. Whatever adversity comes in front of us, we're willing to pass over control for that adversity and then take that negative feeling and carry it with us. And so the sunrise to me is sort of the antidote to that, which is if you view things as being what's possible as, to, as opposed to what's there, um, it, it makes it more productive and engaging as you approach these challenges on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. You know, I don't know why it is in uh, be, being reflective of that, uh, these changes and things, and maybe because we're talking around the holiday season here. I was thinking of traditions, you know, things that, that are important in our life. I'm trying to figure out how to do my uh, annual twist the night before Christmas. You know, now I've got four kids at, at, at the time of this recording at uh, 39, 36, 32, and 27 in four different cities around the United States. 
And it's, it's my annual tradition, right? This is the 38th reading up towards the night before Christmas. And I'm thinking of this, and as you just talked about, and I just lost a dear friend again. And I know people are just going through this in one way, shape, or form. And I want to talk to you about the concept of uh, you know, regrets and things that you should be doing. Or as I said, with a lot of people that you and I serve, it's like you look in the mirror and when you're thinking about important people that you're privileged to serve, you don't want to be able to look back and say, you know, we should have, or why didn't we? Um, how do I keep this thing alive? Right. Jeez, I wish I would have raised the volume with this person because now they're gone and, and now we're challenged to figure something out. So how are you consulting or advising or in, in the, in the, in the wisdom and insight you've gathered over the years, talk to people about dealing with that type of change uh, and, and bringing it into their practices, Bill. I don't care what, whether you're a wealth advisor or someone outside of the industry, it doesn't matter. Where, where there's no regrets and people are dealing with things that are changing and you don't want to, you don't want to put your head in the pillow at night and say, I wish we would have. Oh, yeah, that's, that, that's really a, that's a, that's the challenge we face today. And, and you nailed it. You know, it's kind of, you know, your own situation, right? Here you are, 38 years of reading the night before Christmas, which has been a tradition in your family. You and Anne wake up this Christmas and nobody's home. Right? <laughs> I'm home it's alone, like, buddy. Right. And it's like a surprise. Like it's the movie. How did that how did that happen? And and I think that um, you know, when I work with with folks, uh, particularly advisors in our business today, and we we think about that question that you uttered, which is, you know, you never want to hear someone say, um, I only wish I had, yeah. you know, it's that, that sense of regret. And, you know, to me, it is, uh, I have no regrets. And the reason I say that is, are there things I would have liked to have done differently? Certainly, but hindsight's twenty twenty. The real question is how do you take that learning and project it forward and recognize it? It's kind of like the phenomenon. Everyone was surprised when 10,000, you know, boomers were retiring, turning 65 and retiring like out of nowhere. All you had to do was do the math from 1945 to date and calculated that. The whole retirement surge that's taking place right now, you know, the industry has kind of said, oops, did we know this was coming? And, and so I think the idea behind it is really to get people to begin to recognize that the only thing that matters is what matters to individuals and helping individuals begin to really hone in on really matters. You know, relative to our industry or the financial services industry, it isn't about money. It never has been. And yeah. today, when we think about it, what technology has done is technology has really stepped in and disrupted the role of the intermediary, the advisor. Doesn't mean that people don't want advice. They don't want guidance. They don't want a sounding board. The question is, how do you do that in a way that really creates what I like to call health? But a different Yeah. Well, well, let's get to how people can add alpha to someone's life. Let's, let's first define alpha uh, from your perspective. All right. Well, so alpha is a, is a, a term that we use in financial services. And alpha tells an investor, for example, uh, that the performance relative to, say, a benchmark after adjusting it for the appropriate risk, um, it measures that. And, and the alpha represents performance above that benchmark relative to the, to the uh, anticipated risk involved, right? So simple concept. 
when I think about alpha in terms of a relationship, it's, it's, it's where we begin to bring in the value of your emotional intelligence. Creating alpha is really, from an emotional intelligence standpoint, is really helping people define what matters most in life. As an advisor, our job, I believe, is really focusing on that and beginning to understand what that means. And where the alpha comes into play is that, that relate, you redefine the relationship between the advisor and the client. And that client walks away feeling like, wow, I have not experienced this kind of relationship. Remember, I didn't say investment advice or service because the competency levels continue to go up. The credentialing continues to get richer. The ultimate uh, objective here is to help the advisor-client relationship redefine itself in the 21st century in a way that begins to address these emotional challenges that you and I have been talking about, in particular, helping people define what matters most, because it's not their money, ultimately. It really yeah. comes down to their happiness. Yeah, and the, the word I've been using is uh, joy. Um, you know, it's funny, I was talking to another uh, person on one of our podcasts uh, recently, and I said, what's on your bucket list? And how are you living? You know, what, what are you doing to achieve some of those things? He said, Leo, I'm, I'm living my bucket list. And I, and, I, and I said, good for you. And I said, because most people have got the things out there. If you think of the bucket list movie with Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman, for instance, they've got the you know, sheet of paper and they're checking things off to do this. And to me, just building on what you said, Bill, I, you know, what matters most. And, it, and even in that movie, I, I believe they talk about, you know, bringing the joy into your life, you know, finding the joy in your life. And that to me is what matters most. Um, would you agree with that? Or are we on the right pathway on the same, same line sure. of thinking? That? Without a doubt. I mean, you know, you know uh, a number of, of, of social scientists over the years have, have really done a lot of research around the correlation between money and happiness as an example, right? We all know the storylines. We know that you know, certainly money is important and uh, we can derive certainly some degree of happiness from it, but there's no correlation that says above a certain amount, you get happier. So ultimately, I agree with you 100% on this notion of joy. And, you know, the unfortunate part is that um, perhaps the unfortunate part is that some of us don't discover it until we're in what I like to call the third half of our life, right? Yeah. You know, I know the math doesn't seem to work, but the third half is where we are facing um, uh, perhaps uh, a transition from one career to another or a transition uh, that redefines what we value from a currency standpoint. So you might work for money, as an example, uh, in our younger years. And as we age, we may change that currency to some other, um, some other measure. And joy, joy is clearly at the top of that list. We do things that make us feel good or we do things that make us feel that we are giving back and contributing. And these are not new ideas. Um, obviously, we've been talking and discussing them for a long time. I think the challenge has been around how do we weave them into, quote, a plan of some kind to ensure that the people we're serving in our industry as, as financial representatives, financial advisors, are actually helping people achieve that. And so, yeah, I think that that is a key issue, which is, you know, stop and look around and see what you have, what you've been able to create for yourself and your family. Yeah. 
I, I believe what we've both seen over the last three decades is the continued transition from a lot of people just, I manage money. I'm an old stockbroker, right? Or I'm an investment manager, financial advisor to the shift to more planning and the shift to more of asking these types of questions, to thinking more holistically about broader wealth. It's easy to talk to somebody and say, you know, they're, well, yeah, I've got this much to invest and all of a sudden their mind's going and they're trying to think about, you know, do I put them into this mutual fund? Do I put them into this insurance product? Do I put them into this with this money manager? No, 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 just stop. Just slow down. Just slow down. What do you really know what's important to these people? Do you understand? Um, you know, in our program that you've been a, a guide to me and a mentor to me in our sabbatical experience where we talk about living your legacy. Some people say, I, I, you know, that's for other people to determine. No, if, if you are focusing on things that matter, if you're in pursuit of joy, then that should be brought into your planning, shouldn't it be? And, I, and you had this expression when we talked about this, about crossing the line. And I, I think that's, you know, more about finger pointing and elevation. But what's your spin on that, Bill? You nailed it, crossing the line. I think we, we are afraid often of probing too deeply into a relationship. We cross a line. Now, I've been that huge advocate around helping people live a healthy life so that they are able to enjoy for a long period of time everything that they've created. So when we talk about that, particularly with advisors, they get very uncomfortable beginning to probe into those kinds of dimensions. But I would argue that is, in fact, the pathway to creating the alpha, meaning the difference you make as an advisor uh, versus everybody else in the business. I'll share a, a, a quick story with you that uh, an advisor I know happens to be a woman, spent most of her career as an ER doc. And she found herself in a situation where um, through a, a series of, of, of actions, uh, she and her husband accumulated a large sum of money and really were looking for financial help. And so they did what a lot of folks do. They interviewed a half dozen or so advisors from different areas and walks of life. And she concluded that no one got it. No one understood them. So she decided to take time off from being a doctor and, and educate herself on, on, on the concept of how do you manage money and has since become a very successful RIA herself. And her approach has always been helping people discover what matters most to them and then formulating a plan around their life, which incorporates their money. Because I believe that at the end of the day, it's not about us managing money, but it's helping. I believe it's about advisors helping clients curate well-being. And mm. that's, the, that's the difference, right? So wow. the money gets you part of the way there for sure. And if you need it, but I, you know, I know very, very happy Families in a, a smaller home, a 15 or 2,000 square foot home that, that enjoy life and have a very loving relationship and are very connected to their community. And then I see people in you know, 25,000 square foot homes with, with you know, more money than many third world countries that are miserable and unhappy and have not achieved that sense of joy or peace that they're looking for. And I'm not trying to wax politically here or philosophically or religiously or anything like that. I think it's just common sense. Why would you do something that doesn't make you ultimately give you some sense of joy? 
I mean, Bill, why, why are people so uncomfortable? The advisors talking to their clients, what, what's, what's, where's the gap? What's, where's the problem in our industry from all your travels and all the people you've been working with and coaching over the years? Well, I, I, I would say it, I would characterize it this way. I think as opposed to the challenge, I think the opportunity is that the way in which we do things hasn't evolved rapidly enough and in line with the changes that we are experiencing as human beings. Just in the last 20 years, just from the time that Steve Jobs introduced the iPhone, look at the amount of change we as human beings have had to consume. Our life has become digitized almost in all aspects. of it, And therefore, time has been redefined. We live in a 24-7 environment. We can have access to anything we want all hours of the day with a, key, a few clicks on your iPhone. So everything about our life has changed dramatically. And what I would say is that, you know, the financial service industry isn't alone, okay? When you think about it, that these kinds of changes, it takes time for industries to adjust and it takes time for practitioners to begin to evolve and change the way they do things. And so invest. You know, this business has largely been around investment management, and they've, you know, the industry has done a great service, and that's still a core competency, and it's still something people will need. But I think what people need today is more help, advice, and guidance around the unknowns and the uncertainties, because the uncertainties that we experience today, I would argue, are much more significant than they were just two decades ago. And they yeah. will be even more significant as we go into the future. So how do we prepare ourselves to make sound decisions in a world where you have very little time to think about? I keep thinking of going into that uh, client confessional. And you, you said to me once, uh, you don't need to wear a collar, Leo, to help people today, or you don't need to light some incense. It's not that difficult, right? And that's why I'm getting behind this in the era of, in the era of of, of digitization, as we said, instant gratification with a remote control. I don't like this, move to this station, do this, do that. A phone with unbelievable amount of apps on it that I can Google and get information. Siri, do, tell me this. Um, it, it, Alexa, you know, what's the weather looking like today? Or play this song for me from, you know, the Beatles or whatever else like this. I mean, and our fingertips, but it feels like when we're trying to provide that alpha, we got to slow down and talking to people. We got to just say, put that aside right now. I got to open up the zipper on someone's chest and, and slow down and grab their heart. Squeeze it. As I tell people, stop selling, slow down and squeeze that sucker. Cause there's something within people and it's more than just investment. It's there are things that matter within their heart, within their soul. And I believe that's what you're talking about in that way, in terms of what the better people I'm saying, there's the people that just focus on the money and they're making a lot of money themselves, but it just feels the ones who are really making a difference that are being significant and driving significance with the families they're privileged to serve are the ones, as you say, they're not leaving any footprints. I believe that's one of your expressions, isn't it? So 
Yes. Am I on the right path here or what? I just, uh, uh, I'm tired of talking about this. No, you, you, you will never get tired of talking about it, Leo, but you're absolutely on the right path. Um, I, I don't know, about eight or nine years ago, uh, when my kids were, you know, younger, obviously, but let's say they were in that, that six or seven, uh, six or seven year old age bracket. And, you know, we're trying, my wife and I are trying to help them begin to formulate their, you know, their own sense of self and their own sense of values, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and so I just decided to jot down, you know, half a dozen, what I would consider to be sort of key tenants to live by. Okay. And the last one I wrote down is leave no footprints. Hmm. And the metaphor is, is, simple. It is, if we approach things in a way that simply is, how do I achieve what's right for me? And at the same time, how do I maintain a balance and leave a, a, a positive outcome from whatever it is I'm doing? Um, then that's a good thing, right? And so leaving no fit, footprints is sort of a, a picture I have in my mind of going through life and trying to be the best you can be, working hard every day to do that, and, and, and part of the formula for that's the, the success of that, that particular objective is, you know, how can I also positively change one person's life at that same time? And I'm not talking about curing cancer. I'm just talking about courtesy, helping, being there. I mean, and I think our relationship is a, is a good example of that. You know, we, we, we talk to each other regularly, sometimes regularly, maybe six months apart, but Nonetheless, we pick up a conversation. It's kind of like when we're kids playing baseball, right? We go out and we play baseball all day long. We keep score, but the game never ended. And that's kind of like our relationship. The, the game keeps going on every day. We, we have good days and we have, we have bad days. But to me, that's really the, the whole point here is that a solid relationship between two people is a relationship that uh, they go through life supporting each other. And I believe that's a the way an advisor and their clients ought to be interacting. Yeah. See, I, I believe those folks listening today can visualize a footprint. And I don't know if that footprint metaphor comes from all your years of running, you know, mar marathons, triathlons, you know, feet moving, people in front of you trying to catch the next person, that last burst of energy to move up a couple slots. I believe that's a, that's a cool thing to, integrate into our discussion today because that's part of your family legacy and a tradition of something you started that's really pretty unique by my standards. And, and I know that brings you joy. Um, when, when you, when you, if I were to say what really matters to you, and I know when I hear you say, yeah, Kathy and I and the kids just got back from Chicago or we got back from this location and in the pride and you say, and Kathy won her age group and my kids did this and, and uh, you know, tell me how that got started. And, how that's become such a core tenet, because I believe leaving no footprints is something that your kids are going to be talking about that forever, about the trips that you made and the joy that you've had together at some of these things. I think that's really worth sharing to people, get them thinking about a tradition that you've started with your own family. Oh, thanks. Thanks for bringing that up. It, it, it's, it dates back to um, uh, something that, that, I, that I decided to, to go after to answer a simple question for myself. Um, if you think about it, we're born, but there's no owner's manual. 
right? So trying to figure out how to get yourself to operate at the most optimal level, whether it's your physical ability, your emotional ability, your mental ability, but how do you get there? And I'm not an athlete by, you know, traditional standards, if you will. I didn't, you know, I mean, I played little league baseball, like a lot of folks did, um, including my wife, by the way, the first woman to play hardball, little league baseball in the state of New Jersey. Wow. Back when, but, um, first girl. And, uh, but it was around, um, this notion of, you know, what can we achieve? And, and for me, the idea of doing a triathlon as an example was this, this challenge that I thought, well, gosh, can I do that? And that's really the, the genesis behind it. And, and, and as I began to learn about myself through the process of, of, of learning the sport and ultimately competing, competing in the sport, I learned a tremendous amount about how to overcome obstacles, how to uh, on the fly figure out how to solve problems, um, how to support one another out there. I remember doing an Ironman uh, up at uh, Lake Placid. And uh, I was doing the CEO challenge. They had to be a CEO of a, of a company at that time. And we're on the bike. And I'm competing against, I don't know, probably 30 other CEOs from around the world. And I'm pulling up and I see one of my competitors on the side of the road broken down on the bike. And I, I don't know why I stopped because, you know, in those days I was like, I got to win. But I stopped. And he was the CEO of a company out of Mexico. And I said, what happened? He said, my chain broke. And I thought to myself, well, you're done. Because when your chain breaks on a bike, it's very difficult to repair. And you, you don't typically carry a toolkit when you're racing. And he says, no, no problem. I have a chain tool. I thought, I, in my entire career, had never heard of anybody doing that. So I helped them fix the chain, get back on the bike. And we rode together the remainder of the 112-mile 100, bike ride. And then we ran the marathon together. Um, and it was the best learning experience I've ever had about how two people can help each other excel and, 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 and just the camaraderie and the support that took place over roughly a five-hour period was, it was incredible. And that's when I realized what the purpose of that. Today, I'm blessed to be able to pass these traditions on to our children, my, my, my daughter, Grace, and my son, William. Um, and, and as you mentioned, we, we all went to Chicago this past summer. I hadn't done the Chicago triathlon in probably 20 years. Um, and uh, we all went up there and we experienced that event together as a family. And I've got to tell you, it was one of the most exhilarating things I've ever, I've ever been through because it was just great to see my children carry on the tradition. You know, I had to have therapy after my wife started to beat me. Uh, you know, that was a hard thing for me as well. Now I, now I can't keep up with my kids, but uh, God bless them all. But it was great. And, and what's really neat about that event is there's probably three or 4,000 people that compete. And to watch and hear the stories from everyone that's there and why they're there, what they're trying to accomplish and what motivates them, to me, is the energy that I glean from that experience that helps me translate those emotional moments, those learnings back to the folks that I coach and counsel on a daily basis. It's that inspiration that gets me up every morning. So, yeah, yeah, this morning, Kathy went out and did her run workout. My son went out and did his run workout. My daughter and I will probably do a swim workout and weight training later this afternoon. But um, that's it. 
the, the idea of no footprints, again, also comes from my experience living at the beach. Because one of those great things is when you come up the next day, you know, there's, you know, during the day, kids are building sandcastles and people are walking and there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of sculptures taking place in the sand. The next day, it's all gone. It's all gone. It starts over again. Yeah. And so it's just kind of a neat way to think about going through life, which is, you know, capture those memories because there's nothing richer. The greatest asset we have is our memories because they don't rust. They don't fade. They actually get richer over time. And I think that's what really matters most people. Wow. Nowhere else to go. <laughs> you just uh you just nailed it. I mean, that's uh that summary there. I, I I think of you of uh, getting up in the morning very early, taking a walk toward the beach, looking at that sunrise. I'm thinking of how you're reflecting with a smile, talking about being with Kathy and your kids and the running and and just feeling the joy. And then I, I've been privileged and for many people um, who've been in the audience listening to you because there's a whole nother level of sharing what you just said there uh, where there's real joy and there's a volume that you turn it up just naturally from, from your perspective on life and helping other people to go to a whole nother level of thinking to drive them to more success. And that's, that's, that's the gift you're bringing to all of us, Bill. So well, I, I, Leah, I, I appreciate that, but I want to, I want to, I want to make up. I want the listeners to recognize something that you've created here, which has been ins inspirational to me and many, many other folks, you know, we, we, we're the same age. We've been down a very similar path and you woke up one day and said, Hmm, what's next? What's that next chapter going to date? And you came up with this concept of the sabbatical, which to me is uh, an extraordinary uh, recognition of a pivotal point in our lives where all of a sudden it becomes very apparent that there's more. And age is a number, has nothing to do with it. In fact, I'm only seven years old because I hit a certain age, and I won't say what that age is because I don't want the listeners to think of me as anything but a young guy, um, I reset my clock back to zero. And I did that because of that, that famous saying that goes, I wish I knew then what I know now, right? I wish I knew then what I know now. Well, the answer is you do. So start living. Start the clock over again. You're a kid. We're always going to be kids if we allow ourselves to be kids. The sabbatical really allows that to happen. It, 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 it forces people, or I shouldn't say forces them, it gives them the opportunity to think and reflect of what's next, what's the next adventure going to be. And uh, when I look around what's going on in the world, you know, across every conceivable aspect from the geopolitical perspective to the economic perspective. You know, we're facing a turbulent political environment here in the U.S. that we're trying to navigate our way through. We've got clear economic challenges as headwinds. Um, the uncertainty meter continues to go up every day. We have volatility in markets. You can paint a pretty grim picture. But I got to tell you, you know, 
that's when we're at our best. As human beings, when we become energized and at our best is when those challenges are in front of us. So it's, it's, it's advisors helping clients navigate through that because we will come out of this and we'll come out of it smarter and stronger and more accomplished as long as we empower ourselves to do that. Yeah. I hope everybody listening can reset your clocks. Think back to people that you met 30 years ago, like when I met Bill and how first interactions, whether it be prospects to clients, to friends, to thought partners, to literally brothers um, from other mothers. And um, as Bill said, there's a lot of things that have brought us together, both in terms of losing brothers as well, mm-hmm. uh, to do that. And I think it just there's a whole different sense of friendship that takes off in empathy and sensitivity and understanding. So, Bill, uh, thanks for helping us today to think differently about the sunrise, about resetting our clocks, about crossing the line, and especially about leaving no footprints. Many, many thanks, my friend. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Leo, very much for your friendship. And uh, to our listeners, I wish you all the happiest of holidays. Mm-hmm.